Jesus is basically saying this in Luke 21. Guys, it's just going to get worse before it gets best. (laughs) Jesus was telling them and answering a question because they wanted to know, when is this kingdom? When is this end time? And what are the signs? How can we know when this is going to happen? So, He starts telling them the signs that are going to be for them when it's going to happen. He said there's going to be deceivers coming in My name. He said there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. Those things have happened. They continue to happen. Nation against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes, famines, plagues, diseases, viruses. Coronavirus is escalating tremendously. We don't know what's going to happen, but it's definitely gone to another level since we were here last week. Now we know people that are real close to us. The terrors will multiply, Jesus says. All these things have been going on for ages. But now we see that earthquakes, famines are much more than ever before. Here we are, this news that Jesus had to tell. He tells them, He answers the question. He doesn't him haul around about it. And then last week we looked at it and He said, And you guys, to you, to the disciples, you're going to face persecution even to the point of death because of their testimony of Christ. That's what's going to happen. God has given us in His Word understanding of the end times. We can actually know these things so that we will not be surprised. And as a matter of fact, we take comfort in Him. We're not fearful, are we? There's nothing to fear. We have Christ. So He gives a sermon to the disciples for that reason. That they would know what is going to be happening. So, Jesus does what only God can do, and that's tell the future. Nobody else can do that. Oh, they can guess, make educational guesses, but nobody tells the future and get it down to the details and be 100% correct every time. Jesus is doing that right here as God has done all the way through the Old Testament. Jesus does it and then the rest of the New Testament all the way up to 95 AD to where John wrote Revelation. Incredible. And we, of all people, actually know what's going to happen. Not just general things that Christ is going to come back. We know that. But even things that are going to happen, the signs of it, and the way He does come back. All those things that are going to come true. It's an ironic moment that He's at because it's like about Wednesday 
late Wednesday afternoon, gets these questions, goes from the temple to the Mount of Olives, they sit down, and he gives them a sermon, the Olivet Discourse. He says, you want to know what's going to go on? Tell you what, I'll tell you. Here it is. And what he does, he lays out in sweeping fashion all the remaining history that's going to be. Wars, rumors of wars, false Christ, false messiahs. Those have been there. They've mounted up more and more. And as we said, all of the different things till the final culmination, the second coming, and then right on into the kingdom. He is at the pinnacle. His second coming glory is at the top of all of this history that he pre-tells. It's leading to the second coming. Isn't that really what? We want to see? Amen. You betcha. What our Lord says about the future is horrendous. I can't give you some kind of pie in the sky utopia that man engineers, because that's what they want. They want a utopia. John Lennon said, I can only imagine. Or, or not, or the song was imagine. <laughs> uh, imagine that there is no heaven, right? Yeah. There is no hell. Well, imagine that we don't have the Word of God and the Word of God is not true. That's really what he's saying. We've got something better than what God has in plan. We're going to engineer a utopia when everything is just right. Well, guess what? We're really talking about God's heaven, and why would I want to imagine that there is no heaven? That was just horrendous whenever uh, I really thought about what that song was all about. It's a beautiful song. I never paid attention to the lyrics. I used to play it. And then one day I looked at it and I go, oh my goodness, what is he saying? And I'd heard that the Beatles, for the most part, were uh, uh, took on a Hindu faith, right? Which, you know, in, uh, oh, oh, you know, all sorts of different kind of religions that were coming along. And I'm just saying, that is not truth at all. Here is truth where we're looking at today. It's one or the other, isn't it? I want to imagine, and I don't even imagine it, I want to know, and I know that this is true. And here we go. But you know what? The future's going to be tragic. It's much worse than any environmentalist can talk about. The future is going to be even worse than any educator can imagine. The future is going to be worse than any scientist can write about or talk about. The future is going to be worse than any politician can imagine. We are not headed towards some humanly engineered utopia. In an age of peace and tranquility, because it's hard living in this world today, and I think everybody would agree with me, it's tough. What our nation and the whole world is going through right now is kind of difficult. It's a challenge, isn't it? And when you start hearing about things closing down, it starts really getting real. Just I could draw up what the future is on that. But I can't. But it will continue to be harder. All of history has been, a, uh, been in a battle against the effects of sin. And our Bible says that it will wax worse and worse. 
do I paint a pretty picture here? Well, yeah, I do. Because there's something that's going to be much better than this. It's the sin here that has caused this problem. Jesus says this, guys. I'm going to die. But I'm going to die to pay the penalty for your sin. I'm going to resurrect on the third day. I'll send to the heavens. I'm going away. And while I'm gone, things are going to get worse. What do you think of that? What do you think the disciples thought about that? Yeah, they, don't, they don't get it. They don't understand yet. This uh, time that we're heading into in this message, it's a time that is worse than any time ever in the history of mankind. We haven't reached that place yet. It's the worst of all times ever that's coming up. It's called the Great Tribulation. And when you look at the time of uh, the Great Tribulation, you also have to think of the book of Revelation. It's laid out under seven seals, like a scroll sealed up, and then it's rolled, sealed up, rolled and sealed up seven times. That scroll or a title deed Jesus is coming back for, He's going to claim the rights over this world. The prince of the power of the air is going to fight mightily against God. He doesn't have a chance. God's already written the history for him. But he goes on, doesn't he? Now, in those seven seals, you have seven judgments. The seven seals cover seven years in that tribulation period. You are going to have then the seven trumpets, which is going to be about like the last seven months before Christ comes back. Things will really mount like birth pains then. And then you have the seven bowl judgments, which is really about like a few days, hours. And it's really going to ramp up then to last few days, just before Christ. Do you get that? This is Revelation. Seals, trumpets, bowls. Seven years, seven months, a few days. That is basically Revelation wrapped up in those sevens. And so, if we think about it, This is when Jesus will come back. And He tells the disciples what's going to happen during their time, throughout the history of the world, and then His very coming back. And what happens just before that? Isn't that incredible? And the details that are in there, we're going to look at today. Are you ready? Let's stand. Open up Luke 21, 20-24. Save my voice. Nandor, could you read those verses for me? When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. 
Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those inside the city must leave it, and those out in the country must not enter it. For these are days of vengeance, as a fulfillment of all that is written. Woe to those who are pregnant, and to those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress on the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be taken away as captives among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, give us insight into these precious truths. Thank you for warning us, but thank you for giving us great comfort as we know that you are going to come back for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. God is going to punish sin, folks. He's going to unleash His wrath upon sinners who are not saved by His grace. So, as we look at this in Matthew or uh, in Luke 21, we will be looking also at Matthew 24. Another parallel passage is in Mark 13. So, if you want the end times. You will find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Uh, Book of Revelation, 2 Thessalonians, and other passages. Daniel. A lot of those passages in those particular books we'll be looking at today. And they give us detail. They support other passages. Each one does. And they give us what I think could be a well-rounded view of what's happening. There's a lot of things and symbols and such sometimes can be difficult to interpret. But we'll try to get the things that we can interpret and know and have that down in our minds and our heads so we can share it not only for our own selves but to other people that can need this. Because a lot of people are really interested in the end times. And I will make a prediction. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but there's going to be people that are going to be fearful because of what's happening with this disease. And without Christ, they are out there floating out in the middle of the ocean. And a lot of people are scared to death. Be praying that the Lord would bring somebody to you so that you could proclaim the gospel to them, the truth of Christ. That's what we look to, and this is a time that certainly can be done because if it hits Jeff City, like it's hitting where Annie is at, and Micah, and all that whole town where they're at, it could very well come here, and if it does, how do we react, right? So, we read in verse 20, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Now Jesus has proclaimed truth all the way up to this point. It continues. He says, now I'm going to take you from your persecution. I'm going to take you to the very end time now. Basically, that's what he's doing here. What specific desolation is this? Well, what's he talking about? 
I think Matthew can fill in the blanks to help us. Matthew 24, verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. You know what? The apostles really weren't readers. Later on they'll become writers, but he's saying readers. You know who that is? Could be us. It could be the very people that are part of this time when that happens. Now, look at verse 21. For there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. It's the worst time ever. It's never occurred. It's at the end time. It's not 70 A.D. he's talking about here. He's talking about the very end. Nothing like this time. So we get out of verse 15, the abomination of desolation. We get that it's called a great tribulation. So that's why we get desolation and tribulation in our title today. Could be a lot of titles. But we want to kind of focus on uh, those words there. Try to get specific. There is a, a sign that Jesus says here at Matthew or Luke 21, 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. In Matthew, he said, the abomination of desolation that I'm quoting out of Daniel. Okay, you getting that? Here he says, desolation is near. It's the abomination of desolation. When you see the armies surround Jerusalem, it's getting ready to really get down here. Okay, that's the idea. So Matthew and Luke, because the Matthew 24 is the same text. And if you look at that, he'll say, uh, people are up on the housetops, you know, you know, run, flee, if you're pregnant, Pray that it would not be, you know, that, that you wouldn't be pregnant, you know, but if you are, then uh, you're probably not going to be able to get out of there. That it wouldn't be winter, that it, uh, whatever can come upon you. Get out of there if you can. Run quickly now, as soon as this abomination of desolation is. Well, so what is the abomination of desolation? That's what we're going to work on today. I will say, what is an abomination? It's a blasphemy. An abomination. It's an act of idolatry. It's both of those. Anything that blasphemes God's name, His honor, His worship, His glory. Anything that blasphemes who God is and replaces it with an idol is an abomination. Desolation is to lay waste, Eremos. To lay waste, to lay to nothing. A ruin is the idea. 
Now, just a word about what happens just before the Great Tribulation is that there's a tribulation. Daniel refers to Great Tribulation in chapter 9. When he speaks of the 70th week of Israel, that would be in, in that part in Daniel 9, it's, it would be the tribulation, the 70th week or week of years, which is seven. Seven years left. All of those weeks of years were done at the time of Christ entering Jerusalem. And now, for 2,000 years, we've been waiting for that one week. Seven years. And so, a series of prophetic events during those seven years includes the rise of a one-world government, a one-world leader who is called the Antichrist or the Beast. He makes a covenant with the nation of Israel. He establishes a worship of Him, of Actually, it's a, it's a false religion first, and then he'll establish a worship of him on the other half of it. There's a restored temple during this seven-year tribulation. That's what's amazing. There's no temple there now. There hasn't been since 70 A.D., right? That means there has to be a temple built. How many here have heard that there's going to be a tribulation temple? Probably everybody here. And we'll show where in Scripture it says that. There is a midpoint of this 70th week or the seven years. What's the midpoint of seven? Three and a half. So, three and a half years, there was a covenant made at the beginning of the seven years. A covenant made. It will be broken in the middle of that tribulation. Uh, the Israelites who are faithful to the Scriptures, well, they will learn that that covenant that they made and were trusting in the One who made it with, they now have lost their trust on Him because of the abomination of desolation. And that Antichrist is a false Messiah. So, there shall be then following the tribulation judgments, the last three and a half years, it's called the Great Tribulation, the judgments of the book of Revelation are poured out upon all the inhabitants of the earth. It's the time of the wrath of God. So, Luke says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, interesting, turn to Ezekiel, End time events happening here in chapter 38. There have been armies around Jerusalem uh, for several decades, haven't there? Got in and out. There have been navies around the Mediterranean Sea and some of the other Middle East oceans that are in that area. But there will come a time whenever the armies are right there all around Jerusalem from different nations. 
Son of man, verse 2, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. The historian Josephus, which was at the time of uh, Israel, during the time of, of Jesus, he wrote things down. Historically, he is not a believer, but he did say that Gog at that time was what we now know as Russia. There are cities by the name of Meshach and Tubalsk, Rosh, Russia, and so therefore this has been known as an interpretation for 2,000 years. It says in verse 4, I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaws. I'm going to make you do this. I will bring you out in all your army, horses and horsemen, all of them splendidly attired, a great company with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords. Has Russia had an interest in Israel? Yes, they have. But they kind of stand back. And they let the Middle East nations, which are their buddies which is unusual, atheistic, but the buddies are Muslim, Russia, atheistic, Muslims. And it says in verse 5, Persia, Iraq, Iran. At that time, uh, this was, they were really nothing. Ethiopia, which is northern Africa, and Put, which is now Libya, So they get together with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer, which is probably eastern Germany, with all its troops, Beth Tagarma from the remote parts of the north and all its troops, many peoples with you. Be prepared and prepare yourself, you and all your companies, your army, that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them, be an armory for them, supply them, Weapons. The Syrians. People all throughout the Middle East. What? Where did their guns come from? Where did their missiles come from? Who provided them with the, the armory? Russia. Not trying to read into this, but I can say it mentions these nations which were never would have come together before to fight against Israel. I'm just saying, there are going to be armies, but I will tell you, in this chapter, uh, chapter 38-39, they're defeated on the mountains of Israel. They don't win against Israel. Sounds supernatural, doesn't it? Well, that's one thought of this. We know that Jerusalem, when that's going to be, I can't tell you for sure. Could be just before the tribulation. Could be mid-tribulation. Could be during the time that we're thinking of here today, the abomination of desolation. Or it could be right at Megiddo, which is right at the very end. A lot of different views on that. I tend to think it could be this mid point time could be just before a tribulation at any rate they're encamped Jerusalem is 
by enemy nations who wanted to destroy Jerusalem. Now the, the, the event that activates this is the abomination of desolation. Is it 70 A.D.? No. There's too many passages that couldn't fit 70 A.D. It says that in verse 22 uh, that all things which are written will be fulfilled. It talks about the nations coming up. 70 A.D., who came up? It was the Romans. It was Titus. And, And this thing right here is that at a time when nothing is like it before. Which is what Matthew and I believe Mark say. Now, he says in verse 22, because these are days of vengeance, revenge, whose revenge? God's wrath. So that all things which are written will be fulfilled. So that everything that I've told you, that it will come to completion. This day of vengeance is also known as Jacob's trouble. You ever heard of Jacob's trouble? Who's Jacob? Israel. The time of Jacob's trouble or distress. Turn to Jeremiah 35, verse 5. Jeremiah 30, verse 5. There are a lot of people that don't believe in a tribulation, that don't believe in a kingdom of a thousand years. There are a lot of people that don't believe any of this stuff that we're reading here. It all happened before. Either 70 A.D. or at Babylon. Or the time of Babylon whenever they attacked Jerusalem. Some of those is whenever they got attacked by Babylon and carried away to Babylon. But it's just a precursor of a further, bigger prophecy that's going to happen in the end. A rule of thumb, a lot of prophecy gives us a little mountain. Back behind it, way back behind, is the great mountain, which it really is pointing to. So, in Jeremiah 30, verse 5, For thus says the Lord, I have heard a sound of terror, of dread, and there is no peace. Ask now and see if a male can give birth. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in childbirth? Why have all faces turned pale? Alas, for that day is great. There is none like it. And it is the time of Jacob's distress. But he'll be saved from it. There are promises that God has made to Israel. But this is great trouble for Jacob, for Israel. It's an Old Testament expression, this idea of days of vengeance. It goes with that thought. Vengeance will fall on the ungodly and on human history. They will be fulfilled. Look in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Now at the time, Michael, the great prince, verse 1, who stands guard over the sons of your people, Israel, will arise 
And there will be a time of what? Distress. A time of trouble. Such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, Israel, everyone who was found written in the book will be rescued. So there are going to be elect people that are uh, Jews that will be saved physically, spiritually. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. So, definitely at the end times there, isn't it? Daniel is saying a time of distress, a day of vengeance, Jacob's trouble. Go to Zechariah chapter 12, back near the end of the Old Testament. 12, 1, pick it up, verse 2. Verse 2, well, 12, 1. The burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel, get that? Thus declares the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, forms the spirit of man within him. This is the Creator, one who gives life. Behold, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples around. And when the siege is against Jerusalem, it will also be against Judah. It will come about in that day that I'll make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will be severely injured. And all the nations of the earth will be gathered against it. All the nations of the earth. This has never happened before. They're going to be there at Jerusalem. Not just Rome, and not just some kind of holocaust that was done during World War II. It's much bigger than that, isn't it? A time that has never been, or ever will be. So we go to Zechariah 14. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil taken from you will be divided among you. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city will be captured. The houses, look at this, this is graphic. The houses plundered. The women, these are Jewish women, ravished and half of the city exiled. But the rest of the people will not be cut off from the city. There's going to be some who are not going to be killed and lost to ruin. Most are, but there is a remnant. He keeps always saying that. So we've seen it in Jeremiah. We've seen it here written in Zechariah. There are many other passages that don't have time, but we could go into Isaiah. We could go into Hosea. We could go into Micah. What do we have? Time of desolation. What does Luke say? Abomination of desolation, an object of disgust, idolatry, ungodliness, abomination. So that is where Jesus is at when he says, When you see Jerusalem, Surrounded by the armies, recognize her desolation, 
is near. What kicks that desolation off? I'm thinking the abomination of desolation. Here's why. Let's go back to Daniel now. 9.27 This is one to always remember if you're looking for prophecy of end times. In Daniel 9, he gives the sweeping history of Israel and the nations of uh, the dream, Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon, Medo-Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. In history, that proved to be absolutely true. Nobody argues with that. That's history. That's what's been in Daniel. Daniel gets into the depth. Look at verse 4. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression where sin will come to an end in that sense. To make an end of sin. To make atonement for iniquity. To bring in everlasting righteousness. To seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, when the Messiah comes, there will be 60 There will be seven weeks and 62 weeks at 69. It will be built up again with plaza and moat even in times of destruction. If there's 70 weeks and you take away 69 weeks of years, what do you have left? One week or seven years. That's where it closes right there. It stopped. The clock kind of like stopped, but it's going to start again. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now, Jesus was cut off. He was killed. The people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now in a picture, that happened in 70 A.D. But there will be another destruction coming dealing with the Antichrist. So it says, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end there will be war. Desolations are determined. And he, and here's where the 70 weeks kick or the 70th week kicks off. And he will make a firm covenant with the many. He is Antichrist. The many is for Israel for one week, for seven years. To us, that's still in the future. We're not there yet. But in the middle of the week, three and a half years, He will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Abomination, desolation of abomination, 
three and a half years into the tribulation of seven years, three and a half years, abomination and desolation, which is now the great tribulation. Make sense so far? You guys, you guys awake with me? You're, you're riding with me, right? I'm not going back over it right now. Now, if you turn back to chapter 11 of the prophecy of Daniel, we were in 9, you look in 11, and I'm going to go over this real quickly and I'll probably lose you on this one and that's okay. But there was an illustration in history that gave us a picture of what's going to happen in the end time. It's very visible. It's like making a movie of what will happen. It gives us a pretty good idea. And I will tell you, Daniel says this 300 years before it happened. And to the detail, everything is correct. Because history looks back on it and says, yep, that's him. It's Antiochus Epiphanes and the things that he did. And I'll just go over that quickly. I'm not even going to read that whole section. It's verse, uh, uh, I, I think, uh, what is it? 11, uh, somewhere around um, 21. 21 through 37. It does start off in 21. In his place, somebody's going to take a place of a person, and it's really, he's going to be quite a leader. A despicable person will arise. He's despicable. On whom the honor of kingship has not been conferred. He takes it because there was a death. There was one killed. And nobody else was there to take the place. He's a brother of him. His son could not take it. And um, he takes it. But he will come in a time of tranquility and seize the kingdom by intrigue. So what happens is that this all of this happened. You can look in history and read about Antiochus Epiphanes. His particular ruler, uh, he's a Seleucid king. That means he's, he's actually from Syria. There's a king in Egypt, the Egyptian kings, and he is going to take that in battle at least as much as he can. He's powerful here. Uh, He's called a very evil person. Takes this peaceably. And matter of fact, he offers himself as the protector of Israel. So he's going to defend Israel. At least he says so. This sounds like what the Antichrist is going to do later. He's going to make a covenant. Did you know that this king, Antiochus Epiphanes, actually made a covenant with Israel, Jerusalem? He'll protect them from the Egyptians that are down south. And so he goes there. He pretends to be the defender. And that's exactly what happened in history. But this was written prehistory, right? Daniel said he would go go to war against Egypt. He enters peaceably and he does things that even his fathers and other people before him had not ever done. He's able to pull off things and he gets plunder, he gets spoils and riches, devises all sorts of plans and even bribes Israel by giving them a little bit of the spoils that he got from Egypt as he's supposed to be a protector. 
And he wants to go back to Egypt and make full destroying of and devastation of Egypt. So, he's on his way to Egypt. And this is what Daniel 11 is really talking about. It's telling all these things. And then we look back on history. I'm giving you the history of it without necessarily looking at those verses, but on his way to Egypt. He receives orders from the Romans. They have a fleet there on the Isle of Cyprus, which is near Israel. And he's told not to invade Egypt. He's ready to pounce on them. How do you think that makes him feel? He is very angry. He's very mad. Caesar tells him not to. He's infuriated. He backs out of Egypt. Heads back to Syria. He's so mad that he wants to vent his rage. So he says somebody's going to die. Guess where he goes through to go back to Syria from Egypt? Well, he go through Israel. He go through Jerusalem. He made a covenant with them, right? He decides to kill Jews. Stops at Jerusalem. By the way, the Daniel 11.30 says that this was prophesied, for the ships of Kittim will come against him. They will, And that was really the Roman army that come against him saying, stop, you're not going to go down there. Therefore he'll be disheartened and will return and become enraged at the Holy Covenant and take action so he will come back and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant. That's the ones who are not godly in, in Jerusalem and, and in Israel. These are the guys that he uses because they're not part of the covenant. They don't live it. They don't care about the Judaism that's set forth. And so he uses them. And he says, forces from him will arise right in there in their own city and desecrate the sanctuary fortress and do away with the regular sacrifice and they will set up the abomination of desolation. He said, there it is right there. And you said it happened in history. And we go, yeah, it did. Nothing like what's going to come in the future. I mean, it is like it, isn't it? But it's going to be far worse. Did you see what he did? He had a covenant and he really didn't care about that covenant and he breaks it. He went into that temple and you've probably heard it many times. He, you know, he, the apostates from Israel are on his side and they get to get on there. So he didn't even really have anything come up against him. This was easy as pie to do. He gets his own people, which are really spies, but they're Jews and little resistance at all. It was already done before it started. He wants to turn it into a place of paganism. He says no more sacrifices are going to be made to God. Sabbath is going to be profane. And all laws of Judaism are going to be struck down, eliminated. He calls himself Epiphanes, the Great One. Epiphanes is really dealing with the, he's a god. You know what he does? He goes into the holy place, as it says here, into that sanctuary. Goes into the holy place he, where people worshipped. He put an image of Zeus on top of the altar where offerings were brought. The temple 
And there you have an idol of that is Zeus. How do you think that would make the people made? He abominated the holy place. So another thing that he did is he slew a pig, put it up on the altar, and made the priests eat of that swine. As he shoved it down their throats as they did that. That's an abomination of desolation with the holy place. That's blaspheming God. Abomination of desolation. But you know what? It's not the abomination that Daniel wrote about in 9.27 because he says this one is going to be after the time of Christ. When this happened was like 168, somewhere in that vicinity. 165 before Christ, right? Jesus is saying, as you read in Daniel... Here's what's going to happen in the middle. If Jesus was after the time of Antiochus Epiphanes. So, that was an abomination of desolation. That's going into a temple. And it's going in there, putting an image, putting an idol there. That's quite a good picture to understand. He says, just what you read in Daniel. But Daniel is Daniel 9.27 where he says, and he will make a firm covenant, Antichrist, with the many Israel for one week or seven years. And he's going to protect them. He's going to defend them. He's going to let them build the temple in Jerusalem. That is why they're going to be able to do it. What happens if they try and do that right now? Well, you've got a major problem because you've got a major mosque up there on the holy place. And that's going to have to go. And there's going to have to be a temple built where they are going to sacrifice again. Now we'll tell you that that tribulation temple is not really real worship because it's still Judaism. But I will tell you, it's part of the plan. And that's why that has to be built for an Antichrist to come in. So it can't happen today, but I can tell you that all the plans are made for that temple to be made. And who are going to be the priests? Those Levites, and they've got it down to a degree. And I mean, they have the trumpets. They have everything they need to get that. They uh, have tried it before, but it almost starts World War III. So it hasn't happened. God keeps that from happening until the perfect time that He's already put in place in, in His plan, right? So, are you following me there? Did you follow that picture, the illustration of Antiochus? And then in Daniel 9, before that, he said, here's the real abomination of desolation. Quite a pattern. Quite an illustration. Go back to Matthew 24. Let's read that again now. Let's see how it ties in with Luke 21. Verse 18, after he has said that in verse 9, they're going to deliver you to uh, to tribulation and kill you, hated by all nations because of my name's sake and everything, right? That is to the disciples. It's to anybody who's a Christian, really, and, and you know, he's, he tells a little bit more detail. Then in 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of, 
through Daniel the prophet, he could have said, which was in Daniel 9.27, but there was no such numbering of chapters and verses at that time. They didn't come until another 1,500 years or 1,400 years, something like that, I guess. Uh, Standing in the holy place, and he says, let the reader understand Things are really going to go down when the abomination of desolation happens. Just like it did with Antiochus Epiphanes. Just like the one who's going to go into the temple. Are we getting that? Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever's on the housetop must not go down to get the things that are in his house. Whoever's in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in these days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on Sabbath. Are you getting this? This is just like Luke, isn't it? Luke says the same thing. Go back to Luke 21. Uh, verse 23, Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. They're not going to be able to get out. Did you know what they did in the Old Testament? It's recorded through the prophets. They come in there and slash their wounds. I mean, how low can you go? They took great pride, the enemies did, and come into other uh, other enemies, their enemies, and slash the pregnant women. Kill the little children, babies. Old men, old women. Strong men, strong women. But if you're pregnant, you don't really have a chance. You can't get out. Probably not anyway. You don't want to be nursing a babe when you're trying to run away. You're trying to flee. It's going to be hard. It'll be tough living out there. Now, the image of the beast. Because it is on this part when we said that the abomination of desolation, it's near. The armies are surrounding it. Armies are surrounding Jerusalem, the abomination of desolation. It's near. What do we have here? Revelation 13, 15. Now, speaking of the Antichrist here in 13... Fifteen says, and it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast. The beast is Antichrist in other passages. So that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Anybody who does not worship at that very moment, what, what's going to happen when he comes into the temple and puts this image or this idol in there? It's an image, and we can imagine today what that could be with AI, artificial intelligence. It can be seen all over the world. Like that, I'm sure it will be instantly. However, it is, he makes this image speak. What an idol. This is the idol of all idols, folks. Incredible. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. So, if that be the case, 
He's going somewhere. Where is he going to do that? Well, the temple, right? Just like what happened earlier. The Antiochus, 2 Thessalonians 2. Because this passage tells us about this place. Talking about the Antichrist, verse 3, Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That's a standing off. Standing away. Apostasius. To stand away from what you once said you believed. You now stand away from it. Matter of fact, to even turn against it. The apostasy comes first. There will be believers that are so-called believers that are not true, they will turn against Christians. Is that possible? What always has happened. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. So he's man of lawlessness. He's the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple. This is Second Thessalonians. This is written many years after Christ, isn't it? It's not Antiochus Epiphanes. This is speaking in the future. Seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. I say that is an abomination. That's a blasphemy, isn't it? A blasphemy, a blasphemy. He says that he's God. There's an image there that speaks and says, worship him. It's exactly what they did, didn't they? For the mystery of lawlessness in verse 7 is already at work. Only the one, he who now restrains, God is restraining from all this happening until he's taken out of the way. It says, okay, let it go. The wrath of God is totally unleashed now. Then the lawless one will be revealed when the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. Christ will end that. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Do you guys love the truth? Do you love the truth? That's like loving Christ. That's like being His. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. People are already doing that. What happens when the Antichrist comes? And He has that image of Himself speaking out of the temple that everybody in the world can see in order that all may be judged who did not believe the truth, there you go, but took pleasure in wickedness. That goes for anybody that's ever lived in this world. Judgment of that. So, what do we have here? We have the image of the beast. The Antichrist. He has a lieutenant, the false prophet, who gets people to worship the image of the beast, to worship Antichrist himself. And you know what he can do? He can call down fire from heaven. Does that sound familiar? Do you remember Elijah? 
goes against the 400 prophets of Baal and they can't get a fire going to make a sacrifice. They wait all day and of course he kind of makes fun of them, doesn't he? (laughs) Elijah does, has every right to. Then it's like, watch this. He calls upon his God and then sacrifice happens, calls down fire from heaven. That's what Elijah could do. Great signs and wonders. Well, Antichrist has this kind of sign and wonder at that time. Everybody's going to believe him except for the ones who are the elect. The elect will persevere. It's good that he calls the end those seven years because if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. That's how deceiving this is. If it were possible, but it is not possible for the elect to be deceived in that way. And the time has run its course. They won't fall into apostasy. I want to tell you, you will not be an apostate if you love God's truth. If you're His, if you're elect, if you've been bought by the Redeemer, your sins have been paid for, you will never apostatize. Now, he says in verse 21, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Those in the midst of the city must leave and those who are in the country must not enter the city. Get out! Flee it! You ever heard of the word fuego? Mm -hmm. That's the idea. Get out! Run! Of I have time, times and a half a time short of time to tell you about that. (laughs) Time, times, and half time, that would be time one, times two, one, three, and one half. It's also noted as different ones. If you wanted to look it up, Revelation 11, 2, Revelation 12, 5 through 9, Revelation 13, 5. A lot of those I didn't get in there. Some we've already looked. There's a, that's how long the whole, uh, or the, the, the tribulation period would be. Um, Daniel 7.25, Daniel 12.7, they all either mention time, times and a half a time, or three and a half years, or you know, of course you have seven years, that kind of thing. Um, 1,290 days is even mentioned in Daniel 12.11. It's supposed to be 1,260 days that we, as we continue to see it. Well, 30 days is going to be judgment upon the Gentiles as Jesus comes back, He will judge, judge them, the ones who are still living. And some will be of His elect, some won't. The ones who are not elect, He will remove. And they will wait a thousand years for their final destination. It's like they go to jail. Final destination is prison, the lake of fire. So we get the idea that that's 30 days. And then in Daniel 12, 12, it's 1,335 days, which is 45 more days. We say, what's that? You have 1,260, and then you have 1,290, and then you have 1,235. Is, is Daniel mixed up? No. That is the time that it will take to get the kingdom put in the gear, to get it taken care of, to get things all spiffied up, the land mass and everything changes and you get the temple built. 
the kingdom, millennial temple. Not the tribulation temple. That's just going to be nothing compared to the millennial temple. A mile square. So, look in Revelation 11. I didn't turn there yet, but we, we have to turn there because I'll show you about that temple again. Verse 1, Then there was given me a measuring rod like a staff, and someone said, Get up and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it. By the way, when John wrote this, it's in 90 AD plus, somewhere around there. That's after the time of 70 AD, isn't it? Another temple. At 70 AD, there's no temple. All the way till right now, there's not. Get up, measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship in it. Leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it, for it has been given to the nations, the Gentiles, and they will tread underfoot the holy city for 42 months. How long is 42 months? How long is 12 times 3? 36. Six more months is a half a year. Three and a half years. 42 months. 1260 days. Same thing, isn't it? He's making it sure a lot of people would say, well, you're just taking that literally. Why did he keep saying that number and reiterating it and putting it in different ways? Because a lot of people don't believe in the seven year tribulation. Some of my favorite expositors and people of the Word of God, I love them so dearly, and they will deny this. It already happened. Well, it means the temple is going to be rebuilt. It means there's going to be some kind of pact made, and that's why the Jews go along with it. We get the temple. The abomination produces destruction and desolation in three and a half years. The entire world will worship the Antichrist. What an abomination it is to God. When you see the abomination, when you see the armies around, it's going to lead to the. It's because of the, uh, there's going to be an abomination of desolation. That's the sign when everything is going to break loose. The next three and a half years are going to be the ugliest time ever in the history of mankind. And this kind of worship, it's satanic worship at its very pinnacles. All the nations of the world. Their armies encamped around Jerusalem. It's the focal point of the whole world. The holy place. People will flee. and Like the people on the housetop, they would spend evenings there when it would be hot. From the daytime sun. And then still the heat would be through the summertime. Kind of a desert area. And there they would sleep upstairs on the housetops. Sometimes they would like just sit up there. Maybe in Jerusalem you got a housetop that you can lease, leap to another housetop to another house. And that makes me think of a lot of the movies that are taken in the Middle East and in Europe and Rome and such. You know, you've seen those guys jump and, you know, it's like they're connected with them. You know, it's only like maybe a foot or two between each one of them, if that much. They jump from house to house top, maybe. Or it says, don't go down. Or don't go down into your house. You don't have a time. Get out of there. Don't pick up what you need. You might have extra clothes there. You might have something you need. You might need an umbrella. Don't even get go. Get out. Because if you go down there, you're dead. You're done. 
This is, yeah, there we go. The terrible, fearful loss of toilet paper. Don't even go for that. It says, get to the gate and flee out of there. The ones who are going to make it are going to be, guess who? The elect. Three and a half years later, all Israel will be saved. That means that's the ones who are His Israel that are believers. There's an absolute urgency. There's going to be a massacre in Jerusalem like there has never been before. Don't have time, but I think in Zechariah 13, you look in Zechariah 12, you look at 13 and 14, it describes all of that. Two-thirds of the Jews will be killed. What does that leave? One-third, they're called a remnant. That's the elect. And there's such an indescribable horror, and this is not 70 A.D., and some people said, well, it's the Holocaust. Uh Uh-uh. Did we just see what he is trying to put forth? It's till to the time of the Gentiles fulfilled. We're right at the end of it. Luke 21. Verse 24. They will fall by the edge of the sword, will be led captive into the all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. Until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. These armies are there. I will tell you, it has already been the times of the Gentiles. All the way back to Babylon. When the Jews, after that, really had no kings. They were not their own nation, were they? Now, in the kingdom, everything will be established again. The king of kings will be there. We know that the times of the Gentiles will continue on and they will dominate there in Jerusalem. Will it be Muslims there? Very well could be. Plus all the other nations. Many nations today are Muslims. They hate Jews. The Antichrist turns on the Jews. This is when it all breaks out. And so we come back to our Luke 21. Read verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies totally surrounded, then recognize our desolation is near. What is it? The abomination of desolation. The three and a half year thing, the great tribulation, is ready to break loose. Get out. Go. And let all who are the readers understand. Romans 11.25 says, There has to be the fulfillment of the time of the Gentiles. It's getting near. And then the clock is going to start. Tick tock, tick tock. Seven years, three and a half years. And then in the seven bowl judgments, the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments, hours, boom. And here comes Christ. And that sets us up for next week. The grand, brilliant, blazing glory of Jesus Christ comes back with us. (laughs) Dear Heavenly Father, what a great God you are. Thank you for your word of truth. It is awesome. We just saw laid out before us in your scriptures, in your truth,
amazing details that have been prophesied and that will come true. Thank you for revealing that to your people so that we know what's going to happen in the future. We have great news to give to people. They need to be saved. In Jesus' name, Amen. In light of all that,